Good morning, friends. Today we're going to continue our uh, study of the book of Philippians. Today we're in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 21. And I'm going to call this message, Play to the Final Whistle. Now, those of you who have ever heard me preach know that I often use sports to illustrate some important spiritual truths, and that's probably because I spent some of the, about the first 18 years of my professional life uh, coaching basketball. I mean, after all, sports teach a lot of valuable lessons like discipline and training and teamwork and the value of high goals and learning how to keep victory and defeat in proper perspective. And since we're still in the afterglow of the Super Bowl, allow me to use a football cliché. Football is a game of four quarters. It is not enough to start well or to lead at the end of the half, or in the case of the Kansas City Chiefs, at the end of the third quarter. You've got to lead at the end of the game if you want to win. And you know, in many ways, the Christian life is like that. It's not enough to start with a bang. You, you've also got to end well. Now, far too many people enter the Christian life with great enthusiasm, only to disappear into mediocrity along the way. A lot of people just lack a purpose in life, but friends, following Jesus is not a hobby. It demands a total commitment for your life. And in our text today, Paul shares four principles for winning the prize when the game of life is over. Here's principle number one. Check your direction. Paul writes, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but I, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, friends, if this text doesn't do anything else, it should put an end to all the dreams of sinless perfection in this life. I mean, Paul begins with an honest admission. I'm not there yet. Now, unlike so many contemporary leaders, he has no problem admitting his own personal shortcomings. He isn't perfect yet, and he knows it, and this becomes the place where his spiritual growth begins. Now, twice he says, I press on, meaning I'm not where I want to be, but I'm going to keep on moving in that direction. In the spiritual life, direction makes all the difference. I mean, true believers aren't in heaven yet, but they aim their steps in that direction. In Paul's case, that involved a sanctified forgetting and a resolute pushing forward. And I want you to note the fierce concentration implicit in his word, one thing I do. Now, I've learned in life to excel in any area. You've got to be able to say this one thing I do and not these 20 things I dabble in. I mean, greatness in any arena comes to those who can say with Paul, one thing I do. And in his case, it meant looking to the heavenly goal of winning the prize. And that phrase covers all that God has for us when we finally stand before Jesus and hear him say someday, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Well, friends, you want to win the race set before you? Then check your direction. Make sure you're moving in God's direction. I mean, everyone goes somewhere in life. Where will you be when you get where you're going? Well, here's my second principle. Follow faithful leaders. In verses 15 to 17, Paul goes on to say, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Now, I hope you noted there in verse 17, Paul says, follow my example. Now, that seems like an astounding thing to say. I mean, if you want to learn how to pray, follow me. Or if you want to become a faithful evangelist, uh, follow me. If you want to <clears throat> study the Bible, follow me. Uh, I mean, which one of us would say that? 
Yet six different times in the New Testament, Paul says, follow me. Now, was he an egotistical braggart? I mean, did he think he was a perfect Christian? Well, not at all, because in verse 12, he, <clears throat> he clearly says that he has not yet arrived at spiritual completion. Well, then, how could Paul say, follow me? Well, what he meant was, follow me as I follow Jesus. I mean, think of the Christian life as a long parade from earth to heaven. At the head of the line is Jesus, and step by step, he's leading. It's a long road with many twists and turns, but he's fully committed to seeing that we make it to the end. Since the parade is long and filled with millions and millions of people, we need folks in front of us who can keep us on track. So we need mentors or models or heroes or pastors, if you will, who maybe are a little bit further along in their spiritual journey who can keep us pointed to the Lord. And with such input, we're likely to veer off. Without that input, we're likely to veer off the trail and end up in deep weeds. So let me ask you two questions. Question number one, who are you following? Who is up ahead of you showing the way, pointing out the rough spots in the road and making sure you don't make the wrong turn or fall off in a ditch somewhere? Now, we all need people like that in our lives. I mean, none of us ever reaches the point where we can say, I can do this on my own. And even though I've been a Christ follower for a long, long time, I find that now as much as ever, I need the encouragement of being around people who pray better than I do, who witness more than I do, or have a deeper knowledge of God's word. I need their example, their encouragement, and the challenge they provide to my life. And that touches a very practical point. I mean, would you like to learn to pray? I mean, it's not hard. Just hang around people who pray. Would you like to grow deeper in joy? Well, spend time with joyful people. Do you wish you had a heart for the world? Well, hang out with a few missionaries and watch your heart change a little by little. Do you struggle with temptation? Well, find somebody who fought and won the same battle. I mean, follow faithful leaders, and soon enough, their godly example will help you on the journey. Here's question number two. Who's following you? I mean, think again about this image of a, a big parade. Jesus stands at the front, followed by a vast group of people. You, you strain to catch a better glimpse of the Lord, but it's hard to see through the crush of people. So you simply begin to follow the crowd, and as long as they're moving and following Jesus, you're following him through their good example. But now look behind you. Do you see all the faces peering in your direction? These people are following you, and you didn't even realize it. And as long as you follow those who follow Jesus, you'll be following him too, and so will those who follow you. I mean, think about it right now. Somebody's following you. Someone's looking to you to show them the way. Someone prays because they heard you pray. Someone is watching you fight your personal battles. I mean, someone's cheering you on. Someone sees Jesus in your life. Someone admires your strength. I mean, someone believes you're the best Christ follower they, they, they know. Someone is hanging on tough because you're standing tall. Some people are smiling when they think of you. I mean, someone is following you. So, friends, stay on the path with your eyes on the prize. Find good examples and follow them. And don't forget that someone is following you as you follow others who are following Jesus. Don't let that someone down. Now, here's principle number three. Know your enemies. Verses 18 and 19, Paul says, For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many lives as enemies of the cross of the Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Now, this is the flip side of our previous principle. We do need to follow faithful leaders, and we need to watch out for our enemies. Now, who are the enemies of the cross? 
Well, I doubt if Paul would use such harsh language to describe people outside the church. I think when he wrote this, he's talking about professing Christians who are really, how can we say it, wolves in sheep's clothing. Although they attend our, our churches and worship with us, they're not one with us. And here's the tricky part. They are often not out there. They are in here. Now, how do you spot them? Well, they claim to be Christians, but their lives betray them. They live for self-gratification, you name it, lust, gluttony, greed, sexual immorality, drunkenness, all other the sins of the flesh. In fact, they even brag about their sins. Paul said their glory is their shame. And they tend to drag others down with them, and, and they'll destroy you if you let them. They're headed in the wrong direction. I just say, don't go with them. Let me say it this way. Not every relationship is good for you. Some people hearing what I have to say today are aware of relationships in their life that are pulling them away from Jesus. Friends, God's point is clear. If a relationship is pulling you away from Jesus, you need to break it off. Period. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Do it now. Stop making excuses. Now, I can't tell you who needs to hear these words, but I knew the, do know that someone does. All I'm saying is know your enemies. Mark them. Avoid them. I mean, there's no other way to win the prize. Here's principle number four. Remember your true identity. <clears throat> Verses 20 and 21, Paul writes, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Now, verse 20 begins with a huge contrast. The enemies of the cross live for earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. Those words would have had special meaning to the Philippians since they were granted Roman citizenship, even though they were 800 miles or so from Rome. They lived in Philippi, but their citizenship was in Rome. In a similar way, we live on earth, but our hearts are in heaven. In effect, Paul is saying that Christ's followers have been issued a spiritual passport from the commonwealth of heaven. Then he lists two evidences of that heavenly citizenship. First, he said, we, we're eager for Jesus to return to earth. The phrase eagerly await has the idea of a, of a small child standing on tiptoe waiting for his mommy or his daddy to come home from work at the end of the day. But second, we're expecting a glorious transformation of our earthly bodies. Now, the word transform comes from a Greek word that is the root of our English word, schematic. It means a drawing or a diagram of the inner workings of a device. Now, what do we know about our bodies? Well, we know they're made out of dirt. I mean, we, we know they're constantly wearing out, and we know our bodies will eventually return to the earth from where we came. That's why the King James uses the phrase, our vile bodies. It's an expression that becomes more appropriate as we get older and nothing seems to work right anymore. Now, Philippians 3 ends with a ringing declaration that one day God is going to re-schematic our earthly bodies. They'll be raised from the dead and they'll be re-engineered to be like his glorious body. One commentator I read said, we'll be raised and beautified. I kind of like the sound of that. I'd like to be raised and, yeah, I definitely need to be beautified. And you know something, he'll do it by the same power that enables him to run the entire universe. I'm just saying, no more glasses, no more crutches or walkers, no more ICUs, no more AIDS or cancers or strokes or false teeth or diabetes, no more Alzheimer's, no more kidney failure, no more disease, no more death, you name it. 
So friends, go for the gold. You can win the prize if you will. Check your direction. Follow faithful leaders. Know your enemies. And remember your true identity. Play to the final whistle. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.